Welcome to the Play It By Ear podcast. The podcast where the topics may vary because, hey, we play it by ear. And now your hosts, Eric Fiskus, Brady Liming, and Todd Griffin. Welcome to episode nine of the Play by Ear podcast. And uh, of course, we always enjoy your presence with us and want to remind you that you can find us on Anchor, uh, which is our home website, anchor.fm backslash play by ear podcast. You can also find us on Spotify, which according to our statistics is where most people listen to us. Uh, also, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, among thousands of other outlets for a podcast. So again, thanks for joining us. And I will say good evening to Mr. Liming. Good evening, Mr. Viscus. And good evening to Mr. Griffin. Good evening. Very Transylvanian. <laughs> a very Draconian. Vincent Price, Bella Lugosi of you there. All right. Uh, this is episode number nine, as I said, and uh, we appreciate you listening to all of our previous episodes. They can be found on any of those uh podcast providers I just mentioned, including uh, Anchor, which is our, again, our home website. And Brady, you're making a face. Yes. Um, I was just going to say, we are appreciating all these comments that we're getting. Um, a special shout out to Matt Young for your excellent artwork. And uh, your comments have uh, made me chuckle quite heartily of late. And uh, we just really appreciate that feedback. We're also appreciating our international listeners. All the way from Japan to Uganda, Africa. Uh, once again, I find that personally rewarding that we've gone worldwide. Again, you can find us all over the place there on uh, on all those different providers. And we appreciate your input on Facebook. Play it by your podcast. Search us out there. Also on Twitter, we've gotten a couple tweets now. So keep that up at uh, play it by your pod with the number two after that. And uh, if you'd like to leave a voice message, which we still haven't gotten, you can go to the Anchor website and you have that capability as well. We could actually put that into the broadcast or the podcast. We do have that capability as well. So a lot of different ways to interact with us. We appreciate all of them. So with that, uh, you know how this thing works here. We all come to the table with a topic. We talk 20 minutes on that topic and we kind of rotate as to who goes first on each particular topic. So I believe it's my turn. Uh, this particular evening. So I will start and I'll give a, another footnote. We did a, a Dave Shoemaker poll that he runs on his uh, on his blog page. And his thing we did last time was best comfort food, mm-hmm. which uh, we enjoyed discussing there. Tonight, we're going to take another shoe untied poll and we're going to uh, talk about it here. Greatest voices in rock history. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. So uh, I guess I'll put it out to you all before, because I have the list here from his blog, and I'll go down that list as well. And he acknowledged on a later blog post that he missed one on his list when he put the the poll out. So uh, we'll discuss that as well. And actually, the one he missed was the one that immediately came to my mind that should be on this list. So with that, I'll put it out to to the group here. Who do you think should be on the list? Brady, you want to go ahead and 
take this one. Um, you know, I know I might be colored or skewed in this favor because of the success of the movie, but I've got the first one that comes to my mind anymore is uh, Freddie Mercury. I mean, what a voice, what an iconic voice, what a unique voice. Almost, it, it, it's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not copyable, copyable. I just made that up, but you know what I mean. Um, but it can't be replicated. Replicated, thank you, thank you very much. Um, Eric with the assist. Freddie Mercury is on my list. I think the second one that comes to my mind when I think of iconic voices is Robert Plant. So I'm going with Freddie Mercury and Robert Plant. I think that's a good start. Todd? Yeah, Todd, fire away. Well, I was just going to, I was going to second the Freddie Mercury. What was it that, because when that movie came out, I know it sparked a lot of interest, but what was it? Isn't it something about his teeth? He purposely did not get his teeth worked on because he felt it might cause an issue with the pitch of his voice. Related to that topic, I've often heard that Barbara Streisand, uh, which it's well documented, I'm not a fan. But anyway, um, Barbara Streisand, they said when she started doing movies, people told her that she should get a nose job. And she was afraid that it would affect the pitch and the timbre of her voice. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Which I, I think that's a valid point as far as the nose. I don't know about the teeth, but it uh, seems like the nose probably would have a, an effect on that. Oh, yes. I think another thing with this topic is we can kind of start breaking it up into, you know, when we say greatest, are we talking just the most raw talent? Are we talking as far as importance in the genre? Uh, recognizable. Recognizable. You know, and then I think there are so many tears that we could talk about. Uh, one of my favorite voices. Are you crying? No. Did I sound like I was crying? Oh, tears. I got okay. it. Okay. Tears. Ah. Little, ah. Little homophone humor. Ah. And there's some alliteration. <laughs> um, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. Uh, you know, I think that the the 80s, one of the things we can, we can definitely say is that there were a lot of 80s singers who were unique and very talented and probably, you know, kind of get thrown to the side by people who maybe aren't into that genre so much, but I would probably put Sebastian Bach, uh, you know, I remember you uh, oh, up wow. there as one of the, one of the greatest vocal performances in, in recorded Agreed. history. Uh, Brad Delp would be on my list. Of course, uh, you're here. The late Brad Delp from one of my favorite bands. I know one of Eric's favorite bands, Brady's favorite bands, Boston. Uh, Which we've discussed here before. Yes, uh, I would put Brad Delp on there. And then I'm going to have to throw a, uh, a third, if you don't mind, and want to change it up a little bit here, and I'm going to say Ann Wilson from Heart. Um, oh, yes. I'm going to put the- – Now, see, that's that's the one Dave forgot in his list, and he, he actually put it on the blog post – Yes, I forgot Ann Wilson. Yes, I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> well, I, 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 I won't speak as that. I think very highly of Dave, but I, I definitely think she needs to be on that list. I, I will concur with that. Well, the amazing thing about Ann Wilson is we, you know, we've seen her. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but I know myself. I've seen her a few times, and she, she sounds as good now as she ever did. And that's not you can't say that about really anyone else. Probably anyone else on this list. Well, I mean, obviously some of them aren't living, but. She sounds the same as she always did, and actually, one of the one of the reasons she's able to do that is because 
you know, many, many moons ago when, when, when Hart was becoming big and, and they were in the studio, one of the things that they, they tried to think about was longevity and, you know, how long she would be able to sing the songs. So they purposely didn't write them at like the upper end of her register to where she was straining to sing them, which is even right. more amazing when you think about the fact that she had a little more gas in the tank to give. Todd, I'd like to add to that. I, I'm going to almost go the opposite direction. Because um, where you said that, you know, all these years later, she sounds just as good. I'm going to say that a lot of these performers probably sound just as good or better now than they did in the 80s. Because a lot of the partying, hard living ways is out of vogue. And I think a lot of uh, sketchy performances back in the day. Th there's a singer I'm going to mention later. I'll, I'll let somebody else mention him. Oh, heck, I'll just go ahead and do it. Axl Rose of Guns N' Roses. Sorry. Um, Axel, I'm sure is on this list someplace, but he sounded absolutely terrible when I saw him because, you know, he was partying it up. But I, you know, these video clips I see of him singing today, he sings way better now than he did back in the day. Eric, you want to chime in there with that or? Well, but at the same time, and it, that that's good. You brought up that point as to what does greatest mean to the person taking the poll. And uh, again, you, you went through that very well. You know, does it mean, the greatest as far as being recognizable, the greatest as far as range, the greatest as far as being able to replicate yourself 40 years down the line. And I, I made the comment to someone, probably several someones, several times, I would pay to hear Ann Wilson sing the telephone book. Oh, yeah. She, she's that good. And I, I saw Hart at uh, the Blue Ash, Red, White, and Blue Ash thing. And sitting well away from the stage and a, a place where obviously there's a lot of things going on as far as people moving around and whatnot. I mean, she, her voice pierced all of it. Yes. With ease. And it was just, I mean, a huge, Powerful. huge voice. Same, same thing uh, at Riverbend, Eric, uh, a few years back. I'm not sure if you were at this particular concert, but it was Journey and, and Heart. And we were in the lawn, you know, typically anymore, we usually get a group and go to the lawn, especially if it's bands that we've seen several times. Obviously, I know if it sticks, you're usually up front. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but anyway, it was the same way. It's like most of the time the lawn, you know, you're, you're, you're there for the fun. You're not there for the pristine, crystal clear sounding. And it was the best vocal performance between Journey and Hart. Uh, and Journey had their, their – he was pretty new with them at the time, This the, the current singer – Arnel Pineda. Yeah. And it was just yep. the best vocal concert I've ever heard it, easily. Now that uh, you bring up journey, I'd Steve Perry probably could be on some lists there. Steve I mean, his voice Perry. back in the day. Steve Perry. Should have been gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, very distinctive. Very, uh, had, had a good range. Uh, you Power. brought up Brad Delp again. Uh, Brad Delp. Outstanding over the course of many years. I mean, very recognizable voice. And I think at this point, I'm going to go down the list here of, of the people he had on his poll. And again, we can add people as we feel fit to that. Freddie Mercury, we've mentioned. Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. I would definitely yes. second that. Uh, amazing in, in his poll. Steven Tyler in the poll. You think yeah. that goes recognizable? That's probably more towards the recognizable part, I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I would say recognizable, not necessarily a talented singer. And we, and we had the discussion prior to starting our recording here. Singing notes versus screaming notes or screeching notes. I mean, people on this list, Axl Rose being one, can screech 
or could at one time screech at a very high register, but it wasn't necessarily to me singing per se. Yeah. So there's that. And I think, uh, Steven Tyler probably falls into that a little bit as well. But very recognizable. It's one of those things where you hear yeah. Steven Tyler. Well, actually, some of the earlier Aerosmith songs, I, he actually he sounds much different than, than the 80s. Yes. I can't swear to this, but it seems to me like he had lost his ability to sing. He blew his vocal cords out. And when he resumed singing after being on, that his was voice it, did change. Was it that or an I accident? Because like I remember that. hearing something as well. There was something definitely that... He his voice was much yeah. different. Uh, yeah, I would like stronger. to chime in real quick, Eric. While we're while we're going over this particular topic, one thing I would say, you know, Eric, I know you're a big Sticks fan, and you've probably seen Sticks live more than anybody else on this planet. And when you go to a Sticks concert, or you go to an REO Speedwagon concert, or you go to any of the arena rock bands from the late '70s, early '80s, I will agree that they sound they sound CD quality every night. You, yes. you never go see sticks like, well, damn, they didn't sound very good tonight. And and to kind of call back to what Brady was saying, when those bands were kind of in their partying days and things like that, and especially when we got into the hair metal of the eighties, I would I've heard many people say, you know, you go see Warrant and Janie Lane sounded like garbage live. But I'm going by more, I guess, the studio work. And I can guarantee that Axl Rose can't sing as well as he did in the studio now. I mean, his, and, and that's one thing I've seen Sebastian Bach live many times, still a great singer, but he can't hit the notes. And that's another thing you can tell live is they may still sound good, but they step the songs down. They step the key of the song down, usually multiple steps and things like that to be able to pull the songs off. Jeff Tate of Queensryche. There's another example of a tremendous voice that, he, I think he'd be the first to tell you that no. he can't do But the new Queensryche singer, uh, Todd, I can't think of his last, he Latora. sounds very similar to Jeff Tate in Jeff Tate's heyday. Right. Yes. So, and I'm going to harken back to a story you told in a previous episode, Todd, that when we went and watched uh, Boston after they released the Walk On album in Columbus in 1994, mm-hmm. and Fran Cosmo had replaced... Brad Delp on the album, but then Brad Delp came back and toured along with Fran Cosmo, and they kind of shared the the vocal duties there. Yes. And I don't know if you remember this part, but when they sang More Than a Feeling, in that high, high note, she slipped away. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one. Delp couldn't hit it. No. He, no. he handed off to Fran Cosmo to hit it. Yeah, and if you remember when we saw Boston at the Ohio State Fair which is the last time that I saw them, which they were fantastic because yep. they have the uh, kind of another, if you guys don't know the story, uh, kind of like the Journey Singer where he was discovered on YouTube. Uh, Boston, actually, when Brad Delp passed away, a gentleman who worked at, I believe, a Home Depot. Home Depot, I believe it was. It was, a, it was some sort of, it might have yes. been another store like that. But anyway, he submitted a tribute song that he had written about Brad Delp and it got into the hands of Tom Schultz. Boston's main dude and that he got the job. He, and when you see Boston with the guy from home Depot, it's the same thing. He, he has a certain voice range he hits and there's someone else in the band that takes over for him when he gets to that upper register, which goes to show you how amazing Brad Delp was at one time to not need yeah. that, you know, that help. Correct. So moving on down the list, uh, Roy Orbison, again, very distinctive voice. Yes. Not necessarily, 
Well, I got, I'm going to, I was going to say not necessarily a large range, but I guess he did have that falsetto mm -hmm. thing going on up top. Yes. Love traveling. Uh, tra yes. Traveling Wilburys, uh, Janice Joplin on the list. Um, I think, Janice, I, I think Janice is more of an acquired taste. And, and you, you took the exact words I was thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I'm personally not a fan per se, but I, I could see where people would be. With her, and I'm, I'm this way with several artists. With her, it's one of these types of deals. Her her big songs, I really enjoy. When you get into the a little deeper into the catalog, and you're and you're you know the hearing the ones that were not necessarily hits, or you know, like for instance, "Piece of My Heart," I love that song. Uh, "Cry Baby," Bobby McGee, uh, those songs I love. So I, I I can see why I can see the attraction there to people you know, people have with her. Right. Uh, moving on down the list here, Bon Scott, ACDC's late singer. Interesting. Now, Fiscus, why do you think he's on that list? I would guess it's probably just being distinctive to me more so than being a talented singer um mm -hmm. certainly uh, with bon scott and then afterwards brian johnson honestly i don't i can't really tell much of a difference between the two of them but uh <laughs> again they're very distinctive in their own right but they're distinctive in the same way uh as far as being great singers i don't know that i would say personally speaking that i feel that brian johnson is a great singer or was or bon scott either one Yes. For me personally, I think Brian Johnson has a, an incredibly powerful, distinct voice, distinct voice, but uh, Bon Scott, and you know, this is not a knock on it because he is a legend, but it's like, uh, I, I won't call him overly powerful or distinctive. I guess he was kind of maybe the first to kind of do that kind of delivery, but I, I find ACDC's music much more distinctive than Bon Scott's voice. I think also, I think it's a good point. I think another thing you have going is this dynamic of, and think about how many bands have this. This could actually be a whole a whole new topic. You have the new singer versus the old singer. And you have your camp, your, your team Bon Scott and your team Brian Johnson. And while I agree, I think I think their, their voices are similar in some ways. I don't think that Bon Scott had the pipes, so to speak, that Brian Johnson has. But I think there are probably definitely people that will say, ah, ACDC's own, you know, Bon Scott is the real ACDC singer or Brian Johnson is same way with Van right. Halen or, you know, any of those other bands. Yeah. Van Hagar. And I guess death has a, a better way of solving that dispute than someone leaving a band or being kicked out or whatever. But again, in, in my mind, very distinctive, probably for the same reason. Uh, moving on down the list, uh, we talked about Axl Rose already. Uh, Paul McCartney on the list. Any thoughts on McCartney? Brady, I know you're a big Paul McCartney fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Paul McCartney. I, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, the Beatles. You know, I could argue have, many people think it's the greatest band of all time. I definitely am more of a Paul McCartney guy than a John Lennon guy, if you had to choose. But I would call him... Uh, when Paul McCartney sings, you know it's Paul McCartney. Now, I'm not going to say that he could sing like Sebastian Bach, but he, he's he got a pleasant, mm -hmm. distinctive voice. Rock legend, yes. I mean, is he going to be setting any vocal gymnastics <laughs> records? No. 
you know, I, I would definitely distinctive, but one of the greats of all time, what's your metric? I think he's one of the greats of all time. As far as greatest singers, you know, he doesn't come to mind as being an incredibly accomplished singer. Boy, that sounds terrible because that, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. Eric, I don't know if he's on your list or not. You can you can tell me if he is. But of uh, one that just popped in my head that I always uh, put up there with one of my at least favorite voices in rock and roll, and that is Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers, not on the list, but uh, oh, yeah. I would agree. Very, very great voice. Criminal. Can I throw in my um, one that should be on there that might not be? This is a little bit of a deeper cut, but Rick Ooh, Emmett has triumph. Um, one of the great So uh, moving on down the list, Robert Plant, Roger Daltrey, Jim Morrison, uh, Dave Grohl. Um, and I don't, again, I don't know Dave Grohl as being a talented singer per se, but, uh, and obviously Nirvana didn't really sing much at all, just played drums, but Foo Fighters obviously uh, has shown his vocal chops, so to speak. Yeah, I think Dave. I think Dave Grohl is is one of those singers, as he's, you know, as he's aged or whatever you want to call it, as he's evolved as a as a front man. He's definitely kind of changed up his style a little bit. You know, the first first couple albums, maybe a little more singing. Uh, I know live now, I'll see some clips and see where he kind of takes some of the things he used to sing, and and. and kind of screams now but i think the one thing that he's got going for him is that the foo fighters i think you almost have to say they're one of the last just kind of true rock bands out there still touring and and yeah you can't really label them any other way other than they're just a rock and roll band right and i would say that's probably why he would be on a list of, yeah. of greatest rock singers okay last two names on the list here john lennon which we kind of touched upon a little bit when we talked about mccartney and the final name on the list, Elvis Presley. Ooh, Elvi. Oh, my. The Elvi. Um, tremendous voice. I mean, not one of my favorites personally, but, I mean, honestly, guys, can you really include a greatest singers list without putting Elvis on there just for the sake of, I mean, being the first, being the, you know, the, what what do you call it? The epic voice, the the, the one that kind of started a whole movement. So that right. has to count I, for I something, so. right? So uh, and there's or twenty minutes, but I'll extend the twenty minutes just a little bit to give you the results of the poll here. Uh, going away as the winner, Freddie Mercury in the Shoe Untied blog poll. Uh, second place was Other because people had the ability to type in their own choice on that. Uh, Freddie Mercury got 29% of the vote, and Other got 19% of the vote. Number three on the list here was Chris Cornell. Now, to give you my personal feeling, I would agree with the Freddie Mercury take on this. Uh, to me, he wins going away. Second place on my list would be Ann Wilson. Yeah, I can. I second that. I second that second place vote. I second right, the second. Very the good. Second. Chris Cornell, though. Chris Cornell, and I think it's it's important that we kind of hit on something because, you know, we're all fans of the 70s, 80s rock, but, but Chris Cornell definitely had a huge gift as far as his voice. Big, powerful voice, could sing a lot of different. Agreed. Oh, yeah. How about Ronnie James Dio? Well, there's another one. That, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Brian Wilson. 
what about Brian Wilson? Reason. Yeah. Where yeah. off to the witch? One of those topics we probably could debate the whole hour, but uh, there, there's our 20 minutes on uh, best voice in rock history. So again, you can use your own metric on how you judge the best or greatest voice in rock history. We've talked about the different angles you can go with that. And uh, we would love to hear your take on that as well. It could be someone on the list we went down here from the Shoe Untied blog. could be someone of your own choosing. You could be one of the others who finished second place in this poll. So again, thanks to Dave Shoemaker for uh, giving us the inspiration there. And if you are looking for some good reading, uh, go to the Shoe Untied blog, shoeuntied.wordpress.com. And uh, you can see the uh, musings of one Dave Shoemaker, who is a very well-rounded, eclectic person. Uh, again, I thank the world of Dave. And uh, thanks again for the inspiration. So moving on to topic number two, Mr. Liming. Well, let's just say that we're going to go a completely different direction. And uh, th- just got to let you in a little bit on the process here. Um it was technically my turn to start off the podcast, but we all agreed. It's like, nah, we don't want to start off with this one for obvious reasons. But we had a really amusing discussion, and we have to go with this. So we're here to talk about smells. That's right. What does science say and what do we say are just terrible smells that just immediately cause a reaction? <laughs> Now, before you turn that dial and hit the pause button, come on, guys. Smells are Man, funny. So our- Bad smells we, we are We promise hysterical. we won't get too gruesome or grotesque with this, but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. I, I can't yeah, make any promises. Oh, we are. This is going to be funny. <laughs> can't make any promises you, on this. Remember, thing. I have the ultimate but, editing power, um, so if, if, it, if it's grotesque to me, it may end up on the floor. So... Uh, <laughs> Move yeah, forward. that's right. You better put your big girl panties on then. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, because it's about right to get smelly. And I think we've got a lot of common things in our list. But <laughs> we, we, we cheated just a little bit this time because we just ran some things by each other. What are those smells that are just so distinctive and awful that they cause an immediate reaction? I am going to go with one that I am just going to call it the band room smell. Now, I think we could call the source of this sewage. <laughs> but, you, um, and Eric knows what's coming. <laughs> He's already started. We've lost Eric. He's, he's somebody get him. Uh, somebody I, I, get I, him did, I didn't, uh, I didn't even think of this when we were talking about it, but go ahead. <laughs> That's the one I said I was keeping for this special moment. So the band room smell, let's set the table. So there we are in the band room in high school, and it's a good-sized room. You know, it, it's arranged by instrument. You know, the brass are on one side, the woodwinds are on one side, and, you know, the percussions in the back. And we're practicing for an upcoming concert event. And us woodwinds start looking across the room and all of a sudden, we see the green faces and people just stopping mid-song and gagging and just with these horrible, horrible looks on their faces. And we're looking up, you know, us fellow saxophonists. We're like, what on earth is going on over there? And about two seconds after I said, is everything okay? It hit. 
you could actually, even though it was invisible, you could definitely see the progression of this <laughs> funk as it just ripped into the nostrils like fish hooks. And evidently there had been a sewage backup someplace in the school. And it just kind of all unloaded into the Now, did put a visual on this? Uh, there had been a backup. And it had backed up, I believe, in the locker room area. And there are those, uh, those drains in the floor. And I don't know specifically what, where those things come from as far as what goes in those drains or what's down there. But whatever was down there came up out of the drain. <laughs> well, hey, I guess there? you can figure out what's down there. I, I don't know if it's raw or not, but uh, whatever it was came up through those drains. And uh, that's what we were smelling. And that was, the locker room and the band room were kind of in the same area of the building. So that smell came up and then it kind of wafted <laughs> into the band room and across the band room as, as Brady told the story. So definitely that raw sewage smell is definitely one that um, is absolutely, absolutely horrible. Todd, what do you got on this? So you're going raw sewage was the actual, was, that was the smell, right? Raw, I missed the first thing you said on that. that raw sewage. Raw sewage. That, that was the smell. Okay. It was did they ever fix? I mean, I assume they did fix the problem, but how long did this last? I don't know. I don't think we were in there long enough to um to see. But there was no place to go because it was everywhere. Because uh, oh yeah, it was everywhere. We just happened to be close to ground and, zero. And, and there were there were there was visual evidence of where this occurred forever because it had made a stain <laughs> in that particular area of that drain that could not that could not be <laughs> removed. And even six years later, when you graduate from high school in that same building, the stain was still there. I had remarked upon it later. Uh, it was just, it could just not be fully removed, and that's that's the type of raw sewage we're talking about here. Wow. Well, I think the Pretty first one that stuff. I would like to add, and and you know, we talk about how we're PG thirteen, TV fourteen rating, and. You know, I may push that every once in a while, but I want you to pay very careful attention to my enunciation here. But cat chit. <laughs> I, I'm going to say cat chit. And <laughs> any, uh, oh. I mean, any animal. F- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll try to compose Any myself. animal feces that you know, that gets wafted up. We're going to use that word wafted a lot. I have a feeling with this topic, but it all can be bad, but I happen to think that cat is the worst. Cat's cat is the worst. Nice alliteration. <laughs> cat scat. That would be rhyming, right? Cat scat. Would, is yeah, that, that would be rhyming. Sorry. Cat scat. And we all know where uh, a good source of cat scat always was, and it was our buddy Doug's yard. And... Uh, By no fault of his own, it, it, it was because of strays. Let's oh, no, well, yeah, just neighborhood cats. And so, walking to Doug's front door could be quite, you know, treacherous. It's like walking a landmine in a field. And one particular time, this would have been my senior year. I had played uh, Eastern had played the Friday night. Uh, 
the preview, the beginning of the season preview was broken into two nights in our league. And we had played on Friday night at Lynchburg. The next night, the second part of the uh, preview was happening at Ripley. And the Ripley High School would have been pretty new at this time. I, fellas, you guys can chime in here. I was probably one yeah, year old. A couple years old, probably. A couple years old. And so we, my buddy Damon and myself, and I'm not sure who all was kind of together, but Brady, I don't know if you were with us. I was with you. Trust me. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, we stop in to get Doug and we're going to go into the game and Damon stepped in some cat chip. And if Damon's listening, he'll tell you he, his, he was just the cat chip magnet. He would, wherever it was, he would step in it. And so he had stepped on this and, you know, he didn't really have time to clean it up. So we, we get, we jump in the car and of course, instantly the car is just in my car. It's inundated. <laughs> yes. It's terrible. And you know, we're, we're halfway laughing, halfway gagging. I'm sure Brady with his weak stomach was <laughs> multiple shades of green. So we get to the school, which is only what quarter right. of a mile down the road from, from Doug's place. Probably. And we go into the school and Damon's like, I got to go to the bathroom. So he goes to the, to the restroom and, and, I follow in behind him. Next thing I know, I look over and he has his, he's scraping his foot on the side of the toilet, like the toilet seat, trying to scrape the cat shit off of the bottom of his shoes and cannot, he's failing miserably. All he's doing is getting this tornado of cat smell in the bathroom. And it was, it was terrible. It was knee weakening. terrible, <laughs> And it's terrible. I mean, I have um, a couple cats at home. My kids love them very much. I've always been a dog guy. But and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's that cat dropping smell, but it's that certain kind of when you step at it. Why is it that the worst cat poop is yellow? It's just like a yellow glob of cat poop. And it's always the one that ends up on the bottom of your shoes, particularly your white soled shoes. And it's always like, dude, <laughs> this jaundiced cat un- had intestinal distress in my yard. <laughs> there there it is. is. You were you're waiting you. for it. So, um, but uh, de- definitely that the cat poop not a good one. <laughs> well, and I just have one more quick story to tell about Damon and the and stepping in that <laughs> kind of stuff. And we were uh, this was winter time, and it, there were a few inches of snow on the ground, and we were going to. Devin's house and we were hanging out there and we ended that we were going to spend the night. Well, Damon once again, stepped in cat mess. And, uh, and so he comes in the house and Devin's like, well, you can't, you know, you can't track that through. You need to take your shoes off. So it was, he takes his shoes off right there at the kind of in the kitchen. And we just, you know, we go on about the night and well, anyway, we wake up the next morning and where the snow had melted it was a river of it was a river of cat feces streaming through the kitchen, <laughs> wafting up the worst possible smell you could think of. It was probably a seven or eight feet long river of cat dung. And to our listeners around the world, you're going to have to forgive us. Um, I'm laughing so hard to the point of um, my sides are splitting right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. If, if I may chime in, Eric, I don't want to steal it in your thunder. And this is going to be kind of a, um, a leading question. Eric, do you have any more animal smells that you're going to chime in on? Mm. Um, 
I, I, I don't know what you're trying to lead me to. So <laughs> I'm not leading you to. I just want to make sure that, well, okay, I'm just going to lay this story out. Now, cat poop is bad, but I have to say that pig farm smell, pig poop <laughs> is really, really horrible because when you drive by a pig farm, it, 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 it'll it bring you to your knees. But, um, and you know, sometimes you guys, we're told that you like us telling these stories, but I was probably about six or seven years old. And um, my, I like to call them my Honduran family. My uh, godparents are uh, were from Honduras. And uh, he was a pastor. Ted, rest his soul, wonderful man. And I have one of the worst examples of this horror of the pig poop. We were, I, I forget what interstate we were on. We were going for a Sunday drive to eat someplace. And we'd all loaded in his car and went. And we got stuck in a traffic jam. Well, unlucky for us, the uh, the vehicle in front of us in the traffic jam was a trailer <laughs> full of pigs going someplace. <laughs> and um, poor Ted, I, I, you know, it, it's something I have never seen a brown man turn green before, and he totally <laughs> did. And um, you know, I just the the poor guy was just stuck in a horrible moment. So if you can imagine going by that pig farm and having it stuck in front of you, um, that that scars me to this day. So um, that just kind of rounds out my animal feces story. Okay, so my story, and, and again, Doug seems to be the fodder of a lot of our <laughs> stories. Um, so I, I'll, I'll tell another story on him. Doug decided that he was... Uh, he was not going to wear socks with his shoes all summer. Hang on one second. Was this a decision that he, I mean, like announced? Was it a, was it planned? Uh, well, was it a- actually, I believe it was planned. Okay. It, it, it was planned. Um, so he, he said, I'm not, I'm not wearing socks all summer. I'm going to wear these shoes and I'm, I'm not going to wear socks. Okay, great. So about a month in, and it may not even taken that long, but it, it was shortly into summer. Uh, those shoes took on somewhat of an odor and somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> um, eventually you could not bring the shoes into the house. And, and, and now this, this was not his, the, the trailer he later lived in the single wide trailer. This was an actual house, his parents' okay. house. So whenever you brought the shoes into the house, the smell would literally infect the whole house. And, and there's that word again, it would waft across the entire house. So the shoes had to be kept outside. And the smell was, we, we have referred to it over the years as the cheese feet. And it had, had the smell of a, I don't know what particular brand of cheese or type of cheese you want to put on it, but uh, Limburger-y sort of... Oh, I, I can't even explain the smell, but it, it had quite the power to uh, turn good air into bad pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, definitely not the cheese you want on your pizza or sandwich. I'll just say that. Well, I always remember, I think it was you guys who who I first heard it from was calling Parmesan foot cheese. Yes, feet cheese. That's That, that was our feet cheese. Yeah, that, that, and, that, and that's where that story came from. Uh, yeah, and and that has stuck to this day. I still ask for people to pass the feet cheese. And and but the thing is, Parmesan doesn't even approach this smell. 
I mean, I, I guess maybe it's in the same area code. It's not even the same zip code. It's probably in the same area code, but doesn't approach the uh, the the foulness, <laughs> the foulness, the uh, the wretchedness of that smell uh, that he <laughs> produced in his shoes that particular summer. It's amazing the the odor that uh, can come off of a foot. It really is. It's it's inhuman, like sharks. <laughs> well, and and you get into things like and, and Todd, you can probably relate to this, uh, where you keep your basketball shoes in a duffel bag, and then the smell that that duffel bag takes on. And I, of course, I coached baseball for a lot of years, and players would keep stuff not only shoes but all kinds of clothing that they never washed in the, in those bags. And you could be outside in a dugout and they would open, some of them would open those bags and the smell would just encompass the whole dugout in an outdoor situation. So that's some serious stench right there. Well, I had years ago, I had a situation uh, where say, and I had, my sister-in-law over and I'm not going to mention my, the name because I want all of my sister-in-laws to start smelling their feet and see if I'm talking about them. But, but I like we're sitting there talking and my, my eyes start watering and I start getting, I mean, I'm just like, what is hitting me? It was intense. And the best way I could describe it would be rotting sun baked cheese and spoiled meat. Spoiled milk dumped on the rotten meat. And I finally, I'm like, we got to, you got to put your shoes on. And, uh, if my sister-in-law is listening, you know, I love you, but that night your feet were kicking, but, but they don't know which sister-in-law it is. So everybody, all of you start sniffing your feet and see if it's you. (laughs) Uh, And if you'd like to put on Facebook, Hey, it's me. If you'd like to out yourself on, on your, uh, on your smelly feet, uh, I guess, feel free. I, I'm not saying you have to do that, obviously, but uh, that certainly would add to our conversation. Oh, oh man. What smells do we got, fellas? So, uh, um, I can go down the science list whenever you all are ready, but Brady, if you have something else to add here. Uh, well, um, I, I kind of had a, a wonderfully idyllic moment spoiled by, <laughs> um, by a foul smell. I just remember one time on vacation, like wandering down the beach, you know, my sunset stroll. And, and I still am not sure what kind of aquatic life it was, but something had like rotted, just a blob of fish gut, whatever <laughs> nastiness. And it was it, like, it, it was such a, just such a terrible smell. Like I, I about yacked right there in the sand and I had to do a 180 and like sprint away. <laughs> to, like, like I had, I, I'm wondering anybody that was watching me from a distance is like, what's wrong with this kid? Because <laughs> I'm just minding my own business walking in and I just turn around and bolt the other way and about start rushing right there in the sand. But I don't know what kind of sea life it was. I didn't get close enough to it, but it, it's still, I get, if I were writing this chapter in my book, it would be called, a good beach walk spoiled and because um <laughs> spoiled. I, it, horrible i uh i think eventually eric on your list we're probably going to come to the passing gas phase yeah. <laughs> um, and i think we could be that is not, probably a, have not on my science list but go ahead okay okay well i think we could you know and obviously there's 
uh, passing gas uh, upstairs and passing gas downstairs. <laughs> there is stealing the gas the basement? And basement gas. And <laughs> Very nicely put. Both of them can wreak havoc on one's nostrils. So if you had to pick, which would you pick as being the worst? Upstairs gas or downstairs gas? <laughs> um, there are a lot of factors at play in that. <laughs> there are. Speaking of science, there, there's a lot of factors. Um, oh gosh, I don't care whatever smell it is. Though Brady would pick it up first. Whatever smell we're oh, talking definitely. about. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, guys. Uh, it, the, 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 our listening public might know. Um, I've kind of. In episode one, I mentioned that I have, you know, a very, very keen snoot. Um, I have, I have a, a very keen sense of smell, so it just seems to be magnified. He's like so whatever. Steve Martin's character on Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not not as wide as hand. large like his, but he could, I believe he could uh, smell pretty well too. But I'll go ahead and just say it. I... I would rather, any day of the week, rather somebody pry my nose holes open and fart, fart and just distribute gas right into my nose holes than burp and blow it in my face. That, to me, is the worst form of gas. I can't take it. I can't deal with it. And uh, there's been some years, i got to be honest, over the years we've all hung out where that's happened a time or two. And... Uh, it's it's. Uh, I I just want to go on record. I never cross that line. I would never do that to a fellow human being. Um, oh my! If I had to pick one, uh, you know what? I it just depends. <laughs> it, it, you guys are taking the easy way out here. It depends. Well, but giving all the factors, which would you pick? If if I were to pick one to avoid, yes, downstairs. Downstairs, okay. I'm going to pick that one, too, because at least that's funny. <laughs> um, there had to be a funny event, uh, you know, where, where somebody makes the demonstration, and then, you know, they'll scream out, with report, and then, you know, at least they let you know it's coming. We, um, we were, uh, freshman basketball year, we were like a Saturday practice, and one of our teammates came in and was having a rough morning, <laughs> and, and we're like, you know, he's, he's like, I'm sorry, guys. He said, uh, I'm having a rough morning. He said, I know I smell like graham crackers and day old funk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we just lost it laughing and really have no idea what he was talking. I had no idea what he was talking about until, uh, <laughs> several years back where I was, we were playing a show at sneaky Pete's in Milford and our singer, Matt at the time, who does our voice work for our intro and our outro. He, we decided that we were going to switch clothes. This is the point we were the Noble Hardyman. We were dressing up in the 80s clothes, parachute pants, things like that. And we decided we were going to switch clothes. And he had a pair of pleather pants <laughs> in his car and like a shiny plastic shirt. And I put the clothes on and we're up there playing and I'm playing bass. And halfway through the first couple songs, I'm like, what is that smell? <laughs> oh my God, it's graham crackers and day old funk. 
I knew exactly what my teammate many years ago had said. And then I talked to Matt and Matt's like, oh yeah, I hadn't washed those clothes in like five or six shows. They've been out in the car the whole time. So yeah, pleather and plastic clothing that have not been laundered for many, many months do not smell very good. Oh my, I, I gotta be honest with you guys. I'm a little lightheaded right now. <laughs> Sorry, Fiscus. What were, I know we're out of time. Uh, yeah. What were some things on the list? Okay. So since we're all about science here, <clears throat> uh, according to science, uh, the worst smells in the world are Uranus. Uh, hey, now. <laughs> no, the, the planet. Uh, some, some, ah. some would call Uranus. Ah. Uh, science says it smells like rotten eggs on uh, Uranus or in Uranus. <laughs> it is made of methane. <laughs> uh, the second smell is called durian, and it's a fruit. And it could smell so bad, it recently led to a massive evacuation at a university in Melbourne, Australia, <laughs> after, oh a, after students feared there was a gas leakage. I'm assuming that's natural gas. <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't make a fruit roll up out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, third on the list here is Raffalsia Arnoldi, which is a, a.k.a. the stinking corpse lily. Uh, literally smells like a dead, decaying, and rotting corpse with a hint of fish and sweaty socks for good measure. So ah. <laughs> there's a nice little description of that uh, flower. Uh, on the list also, Vaux, and this is a French word, Bourlogne. The Vaux Bourlogne is the smelliest cheese in the world. Uh, one scientist even subjected to its smell to an electronic nose, a device that detects urinary infections and tuberculosis, <laughs> on which on, on which it tested positive. Uh, it's, no, it's no surprise then that some describe the cheese as smelling like a cow's behind. <laughs> bon appetit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next, it smelled a lot like Doug's feet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, next on the list, ancient excrement. Um, Wait a minute. What's ancient? Ancient. Uh, a whopping... Like yesterday's... I mean, last week. <laughs> se seven, 700 years after the excrement was laid, uh, archaeologists wow. uh, found it in a Danish city of Ordens, uh 14th century toilets, which were nothing but repurposed barrels we're still reeking of excrement. Talk about old parts. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played. Uh, next on the list, the lesser ant eater. Um, as opposed to the, the greater ant eater. Uh, well, it has, has a very cute face, but if you get too close, you'll definitely regret it. Five to seven times smellier than the infamous skunk. So, so is it because of its diet? I don't know. Doesn't does not say. Or is it sweaty? Or? So, if it, so if you'd like to do some research on the lesser anteater and report back as to why <laughs> the stench is so bad, I mean, I didn't know ants stunk so well, bad. Well, I or anteaters for that matter. But I guess if you're talking about their diet, I guess that's what their diet <laughs> would be. But uh, there are the smelliest smells in the world according to science. And again, since we're all about science here, so. We are about science, you could tell. One, one that I think we could top the finalize that list with dog anal glands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now, before you think we're being way off kilter, Todd, for those who do not have pets, this is a real thing. Please describe this. You know, I don't know that I can, and I don't know that I've heard before that it's smaller dogs. And, of course, we've always had dachshunds, and it's just something that you have to take them to the vet and get done every once in a while. But you do not want to be in that that vet's office when they're doing that. I mean, (laughs) it is, yeah, there's stuff splashing everywhere, and, uh, yeah, it's... uh, it gets pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> wow. And with that, and we'll, with we'll, that. we'll uh, put that topic to, uh, to bed. Uh, that was uh, a topic that ranked right up there. We are going to deodorize our <laughs> podcast. Brady totally missed it. Totally missed it. <laughs> I, I could. Nice. Thank you. All right, uh, Mr. Griffin, you're up. Okay, so I thought we could finish this episode, episode nine, with some good old cult classic slash guilty pleasure movies. So these would be movies that, uh, you know, maybe have kind of taken on that cult classic vibe or maybe just movies that, you know, we talked about the guilty pleasures in music last week or last episode. Maybe we could talk about guilty pleasures in movies with this episode. So, okay, so I'll send that out to you, fellas. If, if, if you would, and I'll, since it's your topic, I'll let you set the parameters here. But I guess everyone can set their own parameters if they're uh, trying to figure this out. But when you talk about a guilty pleasure slash cult classic movie, is that something that, because we talked about the music, something you listen to in secret? is what I put into the, <laughs> the podcast uh, description on the episode. So is this a movie you would watch in secret that you wouldn't necessarily advertise to everyone that, hey, I watch this? Or I, I think it's yeah, I think it could be. I also think it could be a movie that, you know, you have to work really hard to convince others to watch with you, but you want them to see it because you like it so much. Now, I think there's a very male-female vibe with this particular topic. Because, and again, it's something we mention all the time. Uh, so I married an axe murderer, for example. I would not personally consider that a guilty pleasure, per se. Yeah, I definitely would consider it a cult classic. Uh, probably not something yes. that I would necessarily advertise to my wife that I watch every time it comes on because she doesn't think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But you tried. I yes, I, I did try. Yeah. I did. I did try and fail miserably with it, <laughs> um, and actually failed with you know, both of my wives. And didn't really think it was funny, but you know, I, I guess that might, that's where our opposites attract. Maybe, I, maybe that's what that is. I had that same failure with the movie Kung Pao, uh, Fist of Fury. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I always tell people we we I went to see it in the theater and you could literally see the dynamic happening right in front of you. Every man in there was cracking up laughing and every woman, girlfriend, wife or whatever that was with them was just looking at them like they were the biggest idiots on the face of the planet. <laughs> that's a use. That's a look I'm used to getting. As opposed to the dynamic when we went to see showgirls and it was all guys watching that in the theater. <laughs> that is true. And talk about truly awful movies. Um, you know, I, but, but maybe a cult classic. Well, that's true. I it guess is. if it wasn't for the subject matter, I think that movie would have crashed and burned much more than it did. <laughs> well, if you were a Saved by the Bell fan, you pretty much had to watch Showgirls. Well, that's true. And you never really uh, did any acting that she did in Saved by the Bell 
greatly eclipsed, eclipsed what she did in uh, Showgirls. <laughs> uh, I think we all instantly thought of the one episode, the uh, I'm so excited episode. <laughs> I dude, I, I was just sitting here. I was biting my tongue because when you said if you were a Saved by the Bell fan, I just about busted into I'm so excited. But, uh, I, Even that god awful acting didn't approach the putrid acting in Showgirls. Exactly. So anyway, it, I think, like you said, we could kind of set our own parameters. Uh, I, I think cult classic, it, cult classic probably sounds a little more, uh, you know like it has a following as opposed to a guilty pleasure. Like maybe you're afraid you're the only one in the, you know, around that likes the movie. So Brady, you have a take on this? I do. I do. Um, I think I'm kind of leaning toward, uh, you know, there's definitely, I have a couple favorites that I'm a little ashamed of how big of a fan I am of them. And, uh, that I, I'm sure not everybody appreciates as much as I do. And, you know, if I ask him to watch it, I'm all stoked about it. And I kind of get a little bit of eye rolling and you got to be kidding me. So I, I think it goes that whole guilty pleasure and cult classic thing. I'm not trying to split down the middle, but you could definitely make a case for both of them. Which is? Are you waiting for my movie? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, okay. You, you kind of left us hanging uh, out there. Oh, well, I'm, I'm building the mystery. I'm building the, uh, <laughs> but no, um, my, uh, my choice is far and away the movie Valley Girl, the 1982-83 classic starring Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman shot by the famous director Penelope Spiris. Um, so, uh, Valley Girl is my guilty pleasure movie because it is truly a snapshot, a time capsule of, now I gotta be careful here, what we thought the early 80s were like where everybody assumes that they were like, but you really never knew anybody like that, if that makes any sense. But it's a great movie. It's got some cheesy acting. It's got some um, cool scenes, like the scenery. It's got that Southern California vibe. But man, the thing I geek about, it, it, it's the best soundtrack. I, I love the soundtrack for Valley Girl. It was an and encapsulation of teenage angst in the early 80s. It absolutely was. And you have that whole dynamic where her parents were the aging hippies and, you know, they were no longer uh, cool or far out in the 80s had come in and they were looked upon as relics, even though they were sweet natured. So, um, you know, and I can honestly kind of like trace my slight skepticism for the whole hippie culture back to my love of this movie because I just thought that whole thing was very uncool. Now, that's not my opinion now, but um, th that movie was so, so iconic. And it's a major 80s movies, movie, but not everybody loves it. It's kind of dorky to some. Right? Correct. I've never seen it. What? I I've never seen it. How are you, my friend? How have you escaped, <laughs> have you escaped not seeing that when you were in my bed? No, there you go. It's, it's I, I Nate. Some I always have some videotapes to return whenever you want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. There, Probably is on videotape. <laughs> um, I've, yeah, I've got it on DVD. Um, the, the 30th anniversary uh, Criterion uh, collection <laughs> edition of it. Far and away, that is my guilty pleasure movie, hands down. All right, Mr. Fiscus, what say you about cult classic slash guilty pleasure movies? 
Well, I, I alluded to one already, and that was, so I married an axe murderer, and I kind of gave my uh, reasoning as to why I feel that's a, probably more so a guilty pleasure, but I guess a cult classic as well. Uh, so I married an axe murderer, the character of Charlie's dad, which was also played by Mike Myers, as Charlie was, <laughs> essentially was Shrek before Shrek. Yes. So that was pre-Shrek, but it was the same character. Mm-hmm. And this guy who's Scottish and had that Scottish, I don't know what you call it. Do you call it a brogue? I know you call it an Irish brogue. Is it a Scottish? I'm not sure. It's an accent. I'm not sure. Not sure how that falls. Anywho. <laughs> um, that's why I would consider it my personal guilty pleasure slash cult classic movie. Uh, another one on that list for me is Fletch. Uh, again, very good movie. The Chevy chase vehicle, uh, the first vehicle that was solely his, uh, he spent a lot of years there in the late seventies, early eighties playing off of other people and kind of, I wouldn't say being the main star in a movie, but kind of, uh, being a bit player and that maybe that's too, too shallow a for him. He wasn't a bit actor, player necessarily. A supporting actor. A supporting actor, yes. A co-star. A, of course, you know, you look at Caddyshack and there was a a great wealth of uh, great actors in that movie. So he had a lot to play off of there. Comedic of Bill foils. And, yes. Well, I think we've uh, said course, this before. Fletch was... Go ahead. Yeah. F- Fletch was really the first time it was his vehicle and, and that that uh, dry sense of sarcastic humor just really uh, goes along, I guess, with my personal sense of humor. So I Fletch. And so I married an ax murder Two of the movies. I probably have laughed the hardest in the theater ever in my life uh, were, were the two of those movies. And well, I think we've said before yeah, that again, those you can't beat classic Chevy chase. I mean, you know, he was just, he had a stretch of movies there. That were just every one of them was just quality, quality good, good times. And I had to say, and the Chevy Chase night show was the uh, the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. He was not built for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. No. Although he did Parks and Recreation, apparently, I'd, I've never actually watched that well, show. He did. But uh, it, he was, it was uh, pretty good in that. Community. It was um, Community, Community, where he was. The, oh, Community. Yeah, sorry. yeah, I've heard that was yes. funny. Oh, it, it's very good. Um, where I think Chevy Chase started kind of jumping the shark, so to speak, the movie Funny Farm comes to mind. Um, there was Funny Farm and Spies Like Us, and those were two movies that their uh, their trailers looked excellent, but it, they gave away all the funny parts of the trailers. Now, I yes. like Spies Like Us, don't Correct. get me wrong, but as a ute, it, it didn't tickle my funny bone like his other movies did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, I enjoyed Funny Farm. Well, there was, yeah, I, Funny Farm was not to the level of a Fletch no. or a Caddyshack or something like that. Um, there was Fletch 2 in 1988 or 89, Fletch which lives. was not a, or yeah, sorry, Fletch Lives. Yeah, that's that's awful of me to say Fletch 2. <laughs> Essentially, that's what it was. It was Fletch Lives. Um it it had a different writer and a different director, I believe. I, I heard one time and just didn't hold up to the original. And uh, it was a good movie, but you know, it, uh, compared compared to the original, not not even close. So those are my two guilty pleasure cult classic movies, and those are the ones that come immediately to my mind. I'm sure if I sat and think for a while, there were probably others, but mm-hmm. um, kind of off the beaten path sorts of movies that 
anytime they come on TV, I'm watching them. No matter where I pick them up in the middle, I'm watching the rest of it. Doesn't matter who's in the room with me. That's what we're watching. Well, I think something, I think those are great choices. I think something that can be said about this type of movie or this category that we're talking about is some of these movies, you could probably just simply say they're not for everyone or, or everyone doesn't get it. And I don't mean get it in a way, a negative way, like I'm insulting someone who doesn't think Fletch is funny or something like that, but they just, they just don't get it for whatever reason. And I, I know that So I Married an Axe Murder is that way. I, you know, I've watched that movie with people that sat there stone-faced, never, never, you know, no smile, no laughing, nothing. And kind of looks alive, at me when I'm, <laughs> you know, cause it's not the kind of humor that's just, you know, fastball coming at you, joke after joke after joke after joke. It's not that kind of humor. It's not mainstream humor. It's, it's a little it's bit more subtle. Thank you. Subtle. Yeah. You have to pay attention to, to really, there's a lot of work involved as the viewer to, to pick up on different things. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, again, I was, I think I told you guys the other night I was watching that. I put a post on Facebook. I was very glad to see that my son liked it. Uh, you know, he's, he's one I can count on. He's a mystery science theater fan. So I can kind of count on him to, you know, when you guys aren't around, I, I have someone else that I can watch because that stuff to me is always more fun to watch with other people. Oh yeah. As you know, much as I love yes. MST watching it by myself. Um, I, I actually think there was only one time that I ever watched it by myself during a rainstorm on vacation that I actually laughed heartily because mm-hmm. it's one best enjoyed with others. Yeah. Much like, so I married an ax murder. Mm-hmm. I think, well, and it's one of those things as far as MST and we, I guess we've gotten off the movie quote unquote beaten path, but, um, you, you could have four people sitting there watching MST and different people, individuals are laughing at different times where they picked up on things and the other people missed it. Yes. And that's the kind of humor that, that I'm talking about. I, you know, I know this is a little bit down a rabbit hole, but guys, you know, the uh, revenge of the creature uh, on MST when the German shepherd goes, wrist off, Roger. Uh, I, I still have <laughs> my size will still split to this day. Uh, check it out. It's an all time great. And you know, this, this podcast is probably as close as we'll get to, cause we said for years that we should, you know, along with a couple other buddies of ours that we should do some mystery science theater type, uh, you know, sketch, you know, sketches, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this Excuse is probably things. as close as we'll get. Yeah. This is probably as close as we'll get. Well, Todd, this is our time. We're going to hold our humble MC. We're going to hold Eric, Mr. Fistus. We're going to hold his feet to the fire because we're going to put this out to the public. Todd and I <laughs> thought this would be a great idea. How would you, our listing public, like to hear Todd, Eric, and I do a watch-along episode to the uh, first episode of Tiger King. If you think that's a great idea, we want you to rise up and make your voices heard because <laughs> we, we want we want this to happen. <laughs> now you two have seen it and I have not so it would yeah you, you may have a leg up on me there <laughs> all right so uh, I think we're probably getting a little long in the tooth time wise here so uh, I, I just have a couple that I'd, I'd kind of like to add to our cult classic list uh, matter of fact I made a post on Facebook about this the other day uh, a cult classic guilty flavor guilty guilty flavor guilty favorite <laughs> of, guilty pleasure of mine is uh, Grease 2 and, uh, you know, I- I'll preface it with this. My family, we're a, we're a big musical theater family. Uh, that, you know, that comes from Celia. 
you know, been in many productions through college and, and local theater here. And, and then our daughter now is, is into theater as well. And so we, we see several shows a year. And so we kind of have a soft spot for old, you know, musicals. And so Greece is something that is, we're fans of in this family, but I stick by my proclamation that Greece two is better than Greece. If there were, if, if there weren't a Greece, Greece two would have been a hit. Mm. If, if there were Greece, if there were, if, if Greece was just not a thing and Greece two was a movie on its own, it would have been a cult classic like a lot of the other 80s comedies around that time. Todd, I can tell you. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. (laughs) 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 That proverb, how do we miss that one? That old chestnut. That old chestnut. (laughs) But Todd, I want to tell you. (laughs) My sister and I, um, she took me to see that when it came out in the theater. And, um, we both agree. I she still has the vinyl Grease Two album, and uh, we we wore that sucker out. I think she would probably agree too that she liked Grease Two better. And I think it was a. Uh, I thought you know. Oh gosh, do you know how much hate we're gonna get about this? But I, I'm I'm with you, Todd. I'm with you. First off, Grease One wasn't really humorous. It was more dramedy. To where Grease Two is just is just funny, and and the if you've never seen Grease Two, just Google the the reproduction number reproduction. in that movie. Uh, another movie that probably couldn't get made now. <laughs> and we had a young Adrian's Med. Are you are you going to? <laughs> you beat me to the Adrian's Med <laughs> reference. Sorry, go ahead. I'll, go ahead. You're I know you're an Adrian's Med fan, right? I have not seen an Adrian's Med movie I've not liked, (laughs) and that would be Bachelor Party and Grease Two. I like Grease Two. I I mean, TJ say be a hit on its own. I don't know, but (laughs) the world needs more out there. The world needs more Adrian's Med vehicles. Sweet love. Ooh. Well, well. (laughs) you also had Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh yes, who probably could have been back in one of the our last episode about the. Celebrity crushes. Oh my! Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer saying she needs yeah. a cool rider. It made me want to ride a motorcycle. And uh, Maxwell Caulfield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking over your role, Eric, and naming the uh, just the uh, useless information on my head, useless trivia actors and Maxwell actresses. Caulfield, the one hit wonder. <laughs> All right, actors, so anyway. actors that was really foisted upon us to be big that never panned out. Maxwell Caulfield and Miles O'Keefe. <laughs> I, just in case you wanted to know how much Keefe was in this podcast, Miles O'Keefe. I have a. So, would you say that Grease 2 stunted uh, Maxwell Caulfield's career? Because <laughs> how could you over outdo Grease 2? I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but think about it you, you had reproduction. You had the Cool Rider song. You had Who's That Guy? And then you had this that I know couldn't be in a movie now. Do you remember the scene the uh, when the uh, uh, all say as they were in the bomb shelter and uh, and the guy was trying to... Uh, Let's do it, do for, it for our, our country. country. Our country would approve. <laughs> it's Uncle Sam who's calling. No, but and that our movie, parents <laughs> will approve. That's the line of the movie. 
<laughs> You'll be a mighty it's patriotic duty. And I'll win this war for you. Cause let's do it for our country. Our country, country wants us to. to. I, I, I have no doubt that for you two, this is a guilty pleasure that you can sing these songs in great detail. Well, uh, hey, I, that, that's impressive. Todd, yeah. let's bowl, let's bowl, let's rock and roll. Hey, come on, let's get the show on the road. <laughs> we're going to score tonight. We're going to rock, we're going to roll, we're going to bop, we're going to bowl, we're going to... Score, 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 score. Or is it bold? Score, score. All right. So here's here's the thing. Greece was scrubbed a little bit going into the the movie version. The stage version was, as I hear, rather randy, although I've never seen it (laughs) in the stage version. (laughs) Apparently, they didn't scrub Greece, too, at all. Yeah. They just kind of... Well, hey. It's like the remake of the match game. You you just say the answer, and it's kind of out there. Remember lady that did the uh i love the word randy though by the way eric <laughs> that's a, it's quite an adjective um <laughs> remember the, the announcements at the at the school the uh the famous line in that movie the if you can't be an athlete be an athletic supporter <laughs> supporter yes <laughs> eric um, uh, th- we cannot talk about Greece too. We cannot talk about scrubbing Greece. It, this is going to go down a rabbit hole, but it's well worth it. Um, do you remember when we did in eighth grade our spring musical where we did a Grease leg production and we actually sang Grease Lightning? Now I did not pay attention to the lyrics, but our music teacher had edited it where it was um about. Well, as she absolutely edited it from the original oh, version. Right. It, it was a real demon wagon. It was a demon wagon. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a demon wagon, all right. So. <laughs> not a, not according to the movie, but yeah, in, in our version, it was a demon wagon. Yes. So is, uh, <laughs> wa- is scrubbing grease kind of like waxing poetic? Well. Uh, something like that, I guess, yeah. <laughs> they must have used Dawn detergent, I know that. All right, so quickly here, one more movie that I, I think we all could agree this is a cult classic, and that is Spinal Tap. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, excellent movie. I, I watch it once a year, whether I want to or not. And uh, another movie watch, best watched with other people. Indeed. Indeed. So I, I will also say I've never seen a Michael McKeon vehicle that I have not liked. There you go. Laverne and Shirley, Spinal Tap, well, or... Better Call Saul. Yes. Yes. And several of those people that do the other uh, Best in Show, the dog movie. William Guest. Yeah, yeah. William Guest, uh, Michael McKeon. I can't remember some, uh, some of the other people. Ben Stein. Is he in those? Not Ben Stein. The guy that looks like Ben Stein. Yeah. Um, Parker Posey's anyway. in most of them. Yeah, Parker Posey. They had the Best in Show, which was about dog shows, and they had the one about folk music. A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind. Another good movie, but <laughs> the and I can tell you as a musician, and Brady can attest to this because we you know we played in bands for many many years together. Brady, how many nights before going out on stage did we do the uh, "Hello Cleveland" as yes. as we were getting ready to go out on stage, or when we would be like working on vocals, we would do the "Since my baby left me, since my baby left me" when they're at the scene of Graceland and they're <laughs> harmonizing over Elvis's grave. <laughs> 
All right. So those are my two. Uh, there, obviously, we all probably could talk for probably hours about this particular subject, but uh, I think Grease Two and Spinal Tap would be my top two cult classic slash guilty pleasures. And they're excellent ones, sir. Well done. Well, well done. Uh, uh, across the board, well mm-hmm. done. I think we all put uh, different content out there that equally uh, applicable to the topic. I think so, too. So, uh, obviously, again, we would like to hear from our listeners. And uh, our listeners have been very active in uh, letting us know how they feel about different topics that we talk about and uh, putting some content out there. And I'll, I'll tease this a little bit. We do have a voice message that was sent to us on Anchor that will be in our next podcast. And we'll let one of our listeners give his uh, input on uh, the celebrity crush topic. And you'll hear that in episode number 10, which will come out in a few days from now. So uh, there's a little heads up there. So that capability is there. If you go to the anchor.fm uh, backslash play by your podcast page, you can leave a voice message. I'd like to throw a Brady. Ahead, I'll, Brady. I'll send this to you, Brady, but I'd like to throw a shout out to Brady's sister. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys caught it, but I saw just a little while ago, or earlier today, this evening, that Brady left a review. Brady's sister left our first play it by ear Facebook page uh, review slash recommendation. And we promise that she doesn't like it just because she's my sister. Um, she actually supported it with good details, like a learned scholarly person did and um which is really ironic because so our uh, musings are not scholarly <laughs> <laughs> so learn it nice which <laughs> nice axe murder reference which let that be the opening of the floodgates now we would like you guys your listeners to leave us some you know leave us a review leave us a, a recommendation you know i always tell people just like with with the bands that I play in, those are the types of things that get people to, to enjoy us and, and new people to hear us with this play it by your podcast. The more positive things that people read about us, the more they're going to want to check it out. Check it out. Exactly. Yes. And uh, gentlemen, before we sign off on this episode, um, I, it, we would have to mention this, um, that this podcast, this particular episode was delayed just a little bit because we had to harken back to episode three what are the chances that our recording was interrupted by a tornado warning? How much did I like that? Not. Yeah. That's just, well, well, this podcast was actually interrupted three times. So uh, hats off to Mr. Eric Fiscus for splicing this together so superbly. It's like the human centipede of Hopefully uh, it ends up being podcast tracks. <laughs> but yeah, we were, we were interfered with uh, two different occasions, once by tornadoes and powerful storms, which we hope everyone is doing okay after those. And I want to send a, on that note, send a shout out to my Fayetteville peeps. Uh, they got hit a little hard up there and some of my Lynchburg peeps as well. Um, some of it rolled through there and there was some damage. So didn't hear about anybody that was injured or anything like that. So thankful for that. But uh, uh, hopefully the uh, damage is not too bad and I can get cleaned up right away. So yes, sir. Uh, our little shout out in our little realism here in the show from our uh, usual uh, buffoonery. So, <laughs> buffoonery that was strong. I like I buffoonery. Buffoon. Tom Fury. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, again, uh, I mentioned the Anchor.fm site. You can also find us on 
uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, among other places where you can find uh, those sorts of things. So once again, we thank you all and please join us in a few days for episode number 10. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Play It By Ear podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter at Play It By Ear Pod 2, and our website at anchor.fm backslash Play It By Ear podcast. Thanks again, and join us next time as we play it by ear.